Maybe you're aware of this, maybe you're not. I remember in my early preaching years in Kennett, Missouri, where one time uh, I mentioned, I, many times after this, but I remember the first time I mentioned the word Christmas in a sermon and even put it in the written form in a bulletin. That may not sound all that amazing to you, but there are some people who do not like that kind of thing. It's an acknowledgement of a secular holiday in a pulpit where we should maintain our spiritual or biblical decorum. Like somehow acknowledging the secular doesn't belong here. And I, was, I remember being reprimanded just slightly, slightly lovingly by people for that. And I understand what they're saying and I appreciate what they're saying. There's a message to be gained there. Don't confuse a true story with maybe some other things that get mixed with it in our culture. And I understand it. I respect those people. But while I know Jesus wasn't born on this particular day, and I'm sure that if you do a report or research on Christmas or Halloween or any of those, it goes back to something questionable in the original days. Please don't come up to me with an 80-page thing off the internet saying where Christmas came from and we shouldn't celebrate it. I will not read it. I will immediately throw it into file 13. I just do not care, right? I don't care where it came from, and I don't know who it was who decided, you know, Jesus was born, so let's just decide on this day to celebrate it. Whether it was that day or not, it doesn't matter. Whoever did that, I don't know, and I don't celebrate it necessarily. I don't have a manger scene in my yard or anything like that. If you do, that's fine. I, it doesn't matter to me. None of that absolutely matters. But I know this. This story is absolutely the coolest story you'll ever hear. What an amazing thing that our God, this is, listen, this is so revolutionary, so awesome, and I won't say that about much of anything, certainly not pizza, Michael. But anyway, it's awesome because God decides he's going to enter the human story in the most vulnerable of ways. That is our story. And the world picks up on it and decides to acknowledge it. We are not to stick our heads in the sand. Instead, what we're to do is to tell the story right and to celebrate it. And even Christmas carols. I love Christmas carols. I started listening to them before Hallmark went to exclusive Christmas movies. That was October 24th. Is that right, Kay? Is that right? By the way, did, does anybody notice Kay's sweater? I want everybody to look over there. Would you please switch that on, Kay, and let everybody see it? Is that not amazing? We should turn the lights out or something. I went up to her and said, this is the only time I'm going to say, Kay, you're bright. It's unfair. Nothing wrong with that. I want to bring that in. and I, I want people to know that we really, really value this story. And if our culture got crazy and made a transfiguration day for October, I'd celebrate it. And if we did a feeding of the 5,000 day in February, I would absolutely celebrate it. I don't know what songs we would sing, but we would come up with something. And what I'm saying is, this is a time for us to celebrate this fundamental, critical, wonderful story. And today we're going to sing about it. And listen, when you sing a Christmas carol, do a favor for me. When it says Christmas Day or this Christmas Day, I don't care what day it was. Just in your mind say, this is whatever day Jesus was born on. 
Let's just say that. Let's just look at it that way. So if you hear that on the radio, go ahead and sing with it. And don't get hung up on that minor detail. Just acknowledge there was, y'all, the most important truth of the. There was a day Jesus arrived in the form of a human baby. That is just over the top amazing. And we don't need to go silent on this. We need to celebrate this. And here's some things we need to celebrate. One of them is it was predicted. I don't know if you know this. If you're a baseball fan, you know this. Everybody knows Babe Ruth. Even if you're not a, and it's not the candy bar, it's, it's a person. This guy who played baseball, one of the best ever. And there uh, reportedly is this moment when he pointed to the stands. Anybody know this story? You heard this? He pointed to the stands as if to say, that's where the next homer's going. A couple pitches later, he hit that thing over the fence right where he pointed, and suddenly was born this huge legend of the amazing Babe Ruth, right? Because if he called a shot, here's the God we serve. Here's the God we serve. He, thousands and hundreds of years before Jesus came pointed he pointed to a woman and said it's going to come from the seed of a woman he called it y'all and then he called it 700 years before he points to a geographic location he points in Micah to a little bitty town I mean we're talking population less than a couple hundred people and he points to that town and says this is where I'm bringing the salvation of the world into this is where we're not talking about a pretty good shot if you pick London we're talking about a little bitty podunk village and God called it and he wants you to know he called it now there's something about this prediction Jesus didn't the Son of God did not begin there Jesus began there. The human form of the Son of God came to reality there. But before that, he was the Son of God. In he was there in creation. You know this. He was there on day one. And therefore, we know he was there before there was ever a day. I don't know if you, call, you can't call it day one. He was there before time began. He's always been there. But on this particular day, he came into the human story and became Jesus. He was a son of God already, but he became Jesus, and he still is Jesus from that day forward. But that day he became a normal infant baby, right? Not only that, but while God did point, there's no way you would have seen it in real time. No one saw this coming. God was able to bring his son into the world and nobody even know it. He was so incognito. It was so normal and it was so regular. And it's just like when you were in the hospital, your baby was presented to you or you go to the hospital or when somebody else has a baby and you look, it was just like that day. You wouldn't have thought anything more than a wonderful new life come into the world. That's no one saw it coming so that God can go back later on after the fact and say, guys, look, I was telling you all along, you just didn't see it. And it makes it marvel at us. At how, it makes us marvel at how God did this and how this child was, while normal, anything but. And so started this cosmic change. He arrived to start this journey that would lead to a cross and a resurrection and an enthronement 
of our mediator who saves us from our sin. A normal baby arriving like all babies arrive. So simple and so normal, no one would have thought about it. But it was predicted. And I want you to remember the predictions. These two songs we're about to sing are really stressing the prophetic significance. This was no accident. This was orchestrated from the beginning to save your soul. Don't forget it as we sing. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. second feature of the story that we highlight is the, the announcements that were made uh, pending his arrival. As you know, when, when something big is about to happen and God's not going to just leave it in human hands, he uses angelic messengers. They're just messengers of God, and they show up at very critical junctures of the story. And so suddenly, after 400 years of silence in the biblical narrative, comes angels. 
angels appear to Mary. And Gabriel himself, one of the few named angels, comes to Mary and prepares her for this incredible role that she's about to play. She acknowledges she knows how this will look, how she'll be treated, but she's willing to take on that role. And what we learn from her angel is the child will be great, will be called the Son of the Most High, and he'll be given the throne of David. He will rule forever. She tells this to Joseph. Joseph doesn't quite believe this crazy story from this woman and, 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 and kind of is confused about it all. And then he himself receives an angel and says it, what is in her is conceived by the Holy Spirit. And what would be born to Mary would be called Jesus and he would save his people from their sins. Then Zechariah became the father of John the Baptist just before Jesus was born. And he starts this wonderful spirit-inspired song that before he talks about John, he talks about Jesus. Jesus, who is the horn of salvation, who would save us from our enemies. These are all very short-term prophecies, as we might call them. Snippets about what Jesus is going to do and how he's about to arrive. He will save the world from their sins. And Mary responds with this beautiful expression that we've learned to put to music, and it's not considered it's not considered a Christmas song, but maybe it should be. Let's sing this together. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God. My Savior, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God. My Savior, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God. My soul feature to meditate upon is the great humility uh, the humility of it 
Usually when you, your kids are coming, the grandparents are getting involved, and everybody's ready to throw these showers for everybody, and lots of attention, as rightly so. And when important people make an appearance, there's pomp, and there's circumstance, and there's parades, and there's preparations. But when the time came for God to enter the world in the form of Jesus, it was all eerily humble and normal. Mary and Joseph go to Bethlehem, this small town far from their home. Room is made somewhere for them in humble conditions. And these are the place, this is the place where the Lord enters human history. I'm not sure when it's appropriate to call him Lord and Savior, or if it is right here at this point. But the one who would be Lord and Savior is introduced to the world in the form of this dependent baby. If you recall the joy and the fear, but also the overwhelmingness of being a parent when this child is first put into your hands, you must know what Mary felt like, and then to be far from home in a network of support. This child is different. Mary, maybe not sure of everything in store for her, but one of the songs that irritates me at Christmas just a little is the Mary Did You Know song. The answer is yes, Mary did know. That's why Gabriel came in the first place. However, even if you know those general truths, there's plenty of mystery contained in raising this boy. She didn't know everything that was about to happen, but she knew enough. And she wrapped him in swaddling clothes the best she could do and laid him in a manger. And that alone is worthy of some meditation. Away in a manger, no crib for a bed. The little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. The stars in the sky looked down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus asleep on the
Consider next the receiving of this child. Far from home, small town, unexpected trip. You expect isolation, maybe some small acts of general human kindness from compassionate people, but cigars would be few because grandparents can't come, friends can't come, it's too far. No, time, no way to have birth announcements or emails sent, no drop-in kind of parties to introduce the baby, none of that. But what does happen shows how cosmic this is. Shepherds arrive at where they are. Nameless, strange, odd-smelling people come in excitement and they leave in obscurity. You didn't know who they were and they'll likely never see them again. But what they left behind changes you. They tell the story, we were in the fields watching our flocks like we do every night, but something strange happened. And I can see them being a little tentative telling the story because who would believe that they saw an angel? But as they look upon this mother and this father and this baby in this manger, they say, you're not going to believe this, but we saw an angel. And the two parents look at him and say, well, try me. Try me. We got that same angel, right? The angel appeared to us, they say. And the glory of the Lord shone around us in the middle of these open fields. We were terrified, but the angel told us not to be. He said, I bring, you good not, uh, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And the angel gave him directions to where he was staying. When an angel gives you directions, what should you then do? Okay, let me say it again. When an angel gives you directions, you turn here by this tree and you go up by this village, go into this barn. When, a when an angel gives you directions, what should you do, church? You should probably go, right? But not yet, not yet. The angel wasn't alone. Suddenly in the skies, some kind of curtain is pulled back and there's a, a multitude of heavenly hosts. I don't know what that is. More angels and a, a choir? I don't know. But they heard this chorus and it sounded like this. There's suddenly an angel, multitude of the heavenly hosts. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. They hear the most amazing heavenly choir. The shepherds are not used to this kind of radio at night. They convene with each other because more than one shepherd in more than one location heard this and they all huddled together and they say, we need to, get to, we need to book it to Bethlehem. And they did. And by the way, the first question they asked each other was, do you hear what I hear? Right? Have you heard the song, Do You Hear What I Hear? And I've never heard it sung right until I was at a St. Louis Symphony one time and a guy sang it and I was just realizing what conversation was going on. They were asking each other, did you hear... The same thing I heard, yes. Were you given the same directions I was? Yes. And together, they in conglomeration go and they find where the baby is. And they tell Mary and Joseph this crazy tale that they just know will get them laughed away, but it doesn't. It goes into the treasuries of Mary's heart. In an affirmation to her and to us, this is no normal baby. And it gets weirder still, doesn't it? Wise men from a long way away in the east come, and they don't even speak the same language. And they follow a star, and they find where the baby is, and they say, it wasn't an angel for us, it was a star in the sky. And they tell the parents this, but more than anything, they just go into where the baby is, and they fall down, and they worship this child. And Mary and Joseph are wondering, what is this? And they presented their extravagant gifts, 
before returning back. What were these parents thinking? What should we be thinking? Ask yourself that as we sing these songs together. The first Noel the angels did say was to certain poor shepherds in fields as they lay in fields where they lay keeping their sheep on a cold winter's night that was so deep no This star drew nigh.
earth the angels sing, come adore on bended knee, Christ the Lord, the newborn King, Gloria in excelsis Deo, not a normal one for us to get your breath for a second. (laughs) What child is this who lay to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? Whom angels greet with anthems sweet while shed Watch our keeping. This, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring him, Lord, the babe, the Son of Man. So bring him incense, gold, and myrrh, compassion, king, to own him, the king of kings, salvation brings, let loving hearts enthrone him. Charlie Brown kids, that's fine. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the Born that 
kind of an appendix to this story. The official uh, revealing of the child in the Jerusalem temple. This is a formal thing that every Jew experienced. They take him to the temple, and uh, I, I want you to picture them walking in, and let's say there's a foyer like we have. Uh, and as they bring this child in, people are milling about and they're talking, but nobody's paying much attention to this family with a newborn. But there are a couple of people who are staring them down as they walk in. There are two old people there, and it's not unusual for our kids to see old people at church. That's a good thing. But in this case, these two older people are really focused on this child. It makes them maybe a little bit feel strange, maybe. One of them is a man known as Simeon, and he's there because what he's been told by God, I don't know how he knows this, but he has been formed by God that before he dies, he's going to see the promised Messiah. And when he locks eyes with that couple and sees that baby, he makes his way very slowly across that foyer, grabs that baby in his arms and whisks him away from the parents, lifts him up high and blesses him. And this is what he says. He looked up into his, took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. You know what he's saying? I can die now. Everything I live for and the one thing I wouldn't die without is now here. My eyes have seen your salvation that you've prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. What were the parents thinking with that kind of praise given to this baby? But as that's going on, there's a woman, the, mo the oldest person we know in the New Testament, ancient woman, makes Gary James look like preschooler. This, young, this old woman walks her way very slowly. She takes a lot of time, and she gets to that baby. And not a lot is said verbatim, but she says something like this. She begins to thank God for the redemption of Jerusalem that finally arrived. She could die. She'd seen the Messiah. I want you to know this. You do not need to die before you know the Messiah. You do not need to die before you know this Jesus. And the rest, as we say, is gospel. This was the beginning. You know how important the cross was and the resurrection and the ascension and the enthronement. It takes up half of the entire gospel story. But isn't it true that none of that could have happened if the Son of God had not left the splendor of heaven, condescended, lowered himself, emptied himself of his glory, and taken on human flesh, the softest of human flesh? And he didn't just do it to carry out the final work. His only work wasn't the cross and, and, and the resurrection. He invested years of living in humanity. He identified with us, lived in solidarity with us, experienced every kind of temptation, and voluntarily lived in this world. You are here, as Job said, through no agreement of your own. You're here because God placed you here. There was one human being who lived because they chose to. And that was Jesus himself, because he knew what was at stake if he didn't. And aren't you grateful? That's the good tidings of great joy. Our sins can be forgiven. You can be redeemed. Your troubles can be washed away. We have a Lord who came in person to set us free. But listen, those amazing blessings he came to offer are not universal and automatic. Jesus came with the opportunity with the ability to forgive you of your sins 
and redeem you and rescue you from the trouble you caused. But that rescue and that salvation doesn't come automatically. It comes by those to those who receive it and who appropriate it for themselves. I, I want to remind you all this great story that the world even acknowledges doesn't count until you receive it yourself. He graciously offers it to everybody. And he came in human flesh to make it known that everybody has the advantage. But whether you take advantage is up to you. May you be like Simeon. I wouldn't dare die without knowing Jesus as my Savior. And in fact, I haven't even started living until I know Jesus as my Savior. And for those of you who know that, you'll say amen to that this morning. And this holiday is more meaningful to you than to the normal average person. But there might be somebody here for whom this is just a story you sing about. It's not your story. It's not a story you've been blessed by because you've not appropriated the gift Jesus came to give you. And this morning you have another opportunity. The opportunity is available as long as you have breath. But this morning we make it formally known to you. As we sing joy to the world and celebrate what brought us salvation, the possibility of salvation, if there's someone here it's possible for but you've never made it yours, this morning won't you consider it? Won't you consider taking this gift that he went to great cost and great lengths to provide? Will you not make it yours personally by making him Lord of your life, the Messiah, the Savior of your soul, the King that you follow? You have another opportunity. And those of us who've done it, we're going to sing in high volume this story we believe. It's our story, and we desperately want it to be yours as we stand and as we sing. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven, heaven, nature sing. Joy to Oh, uh-huh.